Welcome to this APTA podcast. Welcome to PTJ Author Interviews. PTJ Editor-in-Chief Alan Jetty talks with authors about the most interesting and sometimes surprising aspects of their work. And now, Dr. Jetty. I want to welcome PTJ listeners to this latest podcast. This is Alan Jetty, Editor-in-Chief of PTJ. And today, I'm very pleased to have as my guest, Dr. Mark Shepard. Dr. Shepard is an associate professor in the physical therapy department at Bellin College in Green Bay, Wisconsin. Welcome, Dr. Shepard. Oh, thank you for having me. It's uh, an honor and a privilege, uh, Dr. Jetty, to be speaking with you. You've been a huge inspiration for uh, myself and obviously many, many uh, physical therapists out there. So um, I'm very excited to be here speaking with you on a topic I'm very passionate about. Well, thank you. I'm really looking forward to our discussion. The title of your piece that you've published most recently in PTJ is called Empowering Physical Therapist Professional Education Programs to Deliver Modern Pain Content. Your article really piqued my interest because this is not an area of my expertise. So let me start with my, my first question. In your piece, you, you talk about the fact that physical therapists play a vital role in the treatment of pain. And, and we see that clinically. We certainly see that in the published literature and the research that is underway. But you make the argument that there's a lack of clear curricular elements in our field that delineate pain content that should be included in physical therapist programs, DPT programs. I have to admit, I was really surprised by that. In your view, what are the major reasons why this is currently the case? Yeah, and I think there's probably three main reasons that come to mind why this, that this is there. And before I get into that, I should say that the International Association for the Study of Pain, IASP, has international curricular guidelines that have been out for a number of years now. Um, but it, it is something that I think a, a lot of people may not be very well aware of as faculty um, or even as clinicians. So with that kind of being in the, the background, when we think about some of the reasons why maybe this isn't being uh, delivered consistently across DPT programs is uh, one, faculty may not be up to date or aware of modern pain neuroscience or pain science. And I think when I talk about this with my, my uh, coworkers or colleagues, and we look at what is uh, proposed to be what we should be delivering in, in modern day DPT curricula, a lot of people tell me, well, we never got this in school. And so you see many faculty across the country who are utilizing as the primary mechanism of the pain experience, the gate control theory of pain, um, you start to, to say, well, is that the best we can do when we're delivering modern day pain education? And while the gate control theory explains a, a, a portion of a very complex response to stimuli, it really shouldn't be the hallmark. And I think that's what a lot of people are being taught today, um, which is very peripherally driven. And it's only seeing that one piece of the pie. The second piece I see and uh, you'll probably chuckle with this because everybody struggles with this is curricular creep. We have very well-intended faculty who are up-to-date on pain science. They're up-to-date on how to assess and treat um, uh, pain in an evidence-informed way. 
But when they go to look at their current curriculum and they, they assess the curriculum and see where, where that needs to be brought in, um, you know, they go to their admin and their program directors and directors of curriculum are saying, well, we have so much we already have to do. We, we just heard that nutrition is important. Oh, what about health informatics? Um, you know, oh, we need to talk about sleep now. It's, it's always going to be something. And that's the, the benefit of our profession is that it touches so much out there because we're movement specialists. And in order to move, we have to be healthy. And that's pretty much everything. But it's challenging because pain, intuitively, faculty know pain is massive. It's so common in clinical practice, like you mentioned, but it touches every body system. So to think about, well, how am I going to integrate all of this stuff into my curriculum? Well, it's like rearranging your house or it's like trying to throw more furniture into the bedrooms of the curriculum, if you will. So it's a real challenging uh, conceptualization, I think, for faculty to think about how they can integrate pain uh, into their curriculum as it stands. And then finally, we have faculty who are, again, up to date on, on pain neuroscience, but maybe they're not sure how to effectively teach it in a way that, you know, ties together with good um, pedagogy and, and educational theory. Um, and so, you know, one of the, the struggles we've heard of is looking at you know teaching pain maybe in one course. So there's the, the, the pain course that's in your curriculum. While this is a good starting point, it probably isn't the most ideal way to teach pain because it, it, it spans across multiple systems. So faculty are now having to force a lot of content that is you know very well meshed with multiple areas across the curriculum into one course. And so faculty oftentimes feel overwhelmed. They have to maybe um, skim into a level of depth that is not at the uh, proficiency level or competency level that we should be seeing as an entry level provider. And so when I think about pain as an experience, it's not a siloed experience. As I've mentioned, it's multi-system experience that stretches way beyond the walls of a pain course or even trying to fit it into a musculoskeletal classroom uh, therefore, our content on pain should not be also siloed. Uh, and the important thing to consider in my mind is, you know, we, we tell people when, we, when we're, they're out there treating as a, as a clinician that they need to collaborate with, their, with other healthcare providers. And when you look at implementing pain content effectively in the curriculum, it calls on the faculty to collaborate within their own department and maybe between departments on how you can scaffold this information, how you can integrate this information in a way that is exactly what we do in clinical practice. But that takes intention, it takes time, it takes dedication and a lot of curricular mapping to make sure that you're doing it in a way that's not causing curricular bloating. Well, I think those concerns are very fair. And I've heard them expressed in other areas of curricular content. So that's a problem that's always going to be there. Now, this may be simple-minded, but from my point of view, that's why we have CAPTI standards to help us understand where the important content areas are at a particular point in time in our field. And then I read in your article that CAPTI is silent on pain science and how these basic and clinical science content areas need to be integrated into the curriculum. 
Help me understand that. Uh, why do we have CAPTI standards if they don't address such a critical area that you've just described yeah. uh, that's foundational in our field today? Yeah, you know, and it, it's funny you bring this up because I, I never really thought about, you know, looking in the CAPTI standards and elements to see specifically where pain is, is mentioned. And shockingly, pain, the actual word pain, is, is addressed in, in one standard and one element. That is 7D19, which is specific to administering tests and measures related to, to pain. And I think, you know, the listener can agree that there's a lot more to pain than just assessing for that. And when you look at assessment for pain, it's very uh, impairment driven, you know, the kind of looking at pain scales, um, numeric pain rating, uh, VAS, visual analog scale. So it's, it's not, again, it's not capturing the depth of all the aspects of, of the pain experience. And so I feel like current state, CAPTI may feel that they address pain within their standard and elements, um, but it doesn't really align with our modern day understanding of pain. And as I've mentioned before, since pain affects so many systems within the human body and how we move and function, it spans a wide portion of standards and elements, especially in standard 7D where, where it has all the curricular uh, content that's laid out. Um, and, and I think there's a fine line and I know those that sit um, on the commission would probably listen to this and they're saying, you know, Mark, <laughs> you're, you're giving us so much stuff. We don't wanna be too prescriptive. Um, most educators hear that when, when they're looking at this and going through the CAPTI workshop is that the standards and elements are not meant to tell you exactly how you should be delivering content. It's setting the standards, what should be included in that uh, from, from a generalized standpoint. And so I think that the problem with that is that there's not a backdrop for educators to fall back on that fills in the gaps that CAPTI cannot do in standards and elements. And so I think CAPTI to, to their kind of defense they really don't know what maybe they should be putting into their standards and elements to update them in a way that aligns with modern pain neuroscience, but also allows for flexibility in how you're delivering that. And I think that's really what stimulated um, us to come up with a educational manual to drive some of that background information so that educators have something to work off of to meet uh, CAPTI standards and elements. And we hope our viewpoint starts to highlight some of that. Okay, well, then we'll come back to that. Let me go to the, my next uh, question. And you, you've explained some of the background behind why CAPTI, in your view, is not up to date in the area of pain and um, contemporary pain science. So then I thought, okay, well, then we can at least make sure that our DPT students who are coming out of the programs can study for the National Physical Therapy Examination content areas. And, and that may drive the curricula in pain so that we can really prepare our students to take this exam and really understand modern pain content. Yep. So that, then I read in your article that the examination content areas are also silent on pain. So I'm scratching my head and I'm wondering what's going on with the National Physical Therapy Examination and the CAPTI standards with regard to pain and modern pain content. And so my question to you is, 
What do you and your colleagues think we can do about it? How do we change this? I'll accept for the moment the argument that there is a problem. How, how do, in your view, how do we fix it? Yeah, and I think, you know, part of that is, you know, what do we have as a backdrop, you know, for understanding what our competencies and proficiencies and areas in pain that should be delivered. And we, we have that internationally through IASP. That's been around for several years. We, we have that now through the pain education manual that was published last year. Um, and so when you, when you look then as that kind of backdrop, we're, we're hoping that calling attention to the pitfalls in the NPTE, which when you look at where pain falls within that, it's a component of the systems interaction section, which in total accounts for less than 6% of the NPTE content questions. And I think we can all agree that when we think about the prevalence of pain uh, across any clinical setting, it's a lot more than just 6% of the people we see as a complaint. Um, and so we're, we're hopeful that we, in our suggestions, at least in the viewpoint in PTJ, is that we really wanted to call out areas that we thought pain could be, um, you know, a, a component within the NPTE. And I think that really points back to CAPTI because the two go hand in hand. Um, and so as, as we think about, you know, the, the problem here and, and having solutions, if, if CAPTI is not given specific content or specific framework for pain uh, content in curricula, and NPTE doesn't have the same specific suggestions or recommendations, why should, why should programs implement this in the first place? And so we understand that the pain education manual, um, that that piece can be helpful in this situation. We as a profession need to change and update our policies and the board exam to truly drive change. Uh, the manual in our mind provides a backbone for this but there's still work that needs to be done. And, and, and the viewpoint we believe starts to point out some suggestions for CAPTI where they could update their standards um, and elements at very specific places. And we make some recommendations for the NPTE as far as you know, specifically calling out pain and some of the multidimensional uh, experiences that happen with that from a biopsychosocial standpoint, trying to drive away from this peripherally focused, um, you know, taking, taking the brain out of the experience that, uh, of, of the pain experience that we, we, we see at this point um, in a lot of the questions that, that are asked. Mark, is there a pushback that um, your position is one that's not accepted by many in the field, that the CAPTI standards are adequate with respect to pain? Or is it a situation where we, we accept that there's a problem, we're just not quite sure how to fix it? Where do we stand on that? Yeah, you know, I think, I think it's, it's probably been a little bit of both from my experience. Um, I, I think what, what is clear is that there's international guidelines and those international guidelines have been published for, for, for several years. Um, that helped define for us at least a place to start internationally. In 2018, the House of Delegates uh, passed a motion that said that APTA should endorse and integrate these international guidelines uh, into 
into, into our DPT curriculum and, and beyond really. Um, so I think that really shows that our profession acknowledges and understands the problem. I think the second piece is like, well, what do we do? What do we do with it? Like I mentioned, pain is such a massive experience uh, and it affects so much in our profession that I think we just, as a, as a committee, when we first were tasked to do this, it was almost like, holy cow, how are we gonna tackle something like this? And I just remember, um, you know, just being told uh, to just run with it, do what you can with your committee and see where it goes. And that's really where the pain education manual started and where we see certain things continuing to go to support this effort because it, it's going to need fostering. It's going to need um, a lot of, of refinement over the years because pain or understanding of it is changing all the time. And that's what's challenging really with anything in healthcare, but, you know, staying modern is so important when we see the, uh, the challenges we have with those suffering from persistent pain. And I can see where the pain education manual that you talk about in your article could be quite helpful. You also mentioned pain schools. How do they fit in with the solutions that you've been advocating? Because I thought that was really an interesting component that you talked about in your article. Yeah, and, and it's something that um, I have to attribute a lot to Carol Courtney, one of our co-authors and has been a very outspoken person um, related to trying to integrate pain, uh, modern day pain content into DPT and beyond. Um, and, and she brought up the idea, you know, that there are pain schools, European pain schools, and the, the difference between our concept that we talk about in the, in the viewpoint paper versus what is happening in the European pain schools is that those pain schools are targeting an audience that is primarily researchers and folks who are um, doing research in, in uh, specific pain topics. So it is very narrow focus that really isn't catered towards faculty, unless of course they're doing uh, research on pain. But that's something totally different, I think, then actually applying pain content into your curricula. And so our idea was to say, what if we build off of the pain education manual? Because we all know that education is not great at changing behaviors. That happens, you know, way beyond our own, you know, educational framework and into clinical practice where we're trying to make people more healthy, sleep better, exercise. We know how that goes. It's, it's challenging. So we understand the limitations of having a, you know, length, quite frankly, a lengthy document that has a lot of information into it. And we said, let's take it a step further and come up with a way for us to continue to empower faculty beyond a passive uh, digital article. And so our pain schools have uh, a couple of different intentions. Our first is to get faculty up to speed on modern pain science. So where are we? What's the latest and greatest? What, what's evidence-informed strategies to address pain? We also want to update folks on the pain education manual, specifically the eight pain dimensions that we group together based off of the international guidelines. And then finally, we want to bring folks together to collaborate and discuss actually how they can implement this content into their curriculum. 
And so we, we actually had a pre-con course at uh, the 2022 CSM conference, and uh, it was a way for us to kind of trial and see how it went. But the, the course or the school, uh, pain school, will be asynchronously performed, meaning that you can watch recorded lectures and, and get up to date on things, as well as having in-person one or two day courses. And it just depends on what the course uh, folks want and, uh, and need. So we hope it's flexible for, for the busy faculty member. And our goal is to, to work with schools interested in hosting something like this. And uh, we, we hope to do at least maybe one to two pain school uh, courses over the next 12 months to try to bring this a step forward in an application of this. And what we've heard from faculty that went through the first iteration was they really enjoyed that it wasn't just, you know, learning about pain science. It was actually taking the manual and coming up with actual ways, palpable ways you can go back to your institution and apply it. And we talk about some of the, the catch points in the curriculum, like how do I deal with curricular creep? How do I frame this to program admin who are going to be maybe apprehensive about adding a pain course? You know, so we try to broach some of those challenging points. And it's nice because we have such a wealth of experience from not only the people that are going to be attending, but also some of the faculty on, you know, best practices on how to bring this forward, all in the, the lens and framework of, um, you know, excellence in PT, uh, master adaptive learner, all those things that we feel are really important when it comes to physical therapist education. Well, Dr. Shepard, I, I really want to thank you for taking the time today to talk about your article, but also for writing the article, because I think you really put a spotlight on the issues. And I think have a lot of constructive suggestions of how we might tackle this, uh, this problem in the field. And so I think it's a really useful and uh, an important contribution. So, so thank you. No, I, I appreciate uh, the ability to publish this, and, and uh, I have to give a shout out to my co-authors, uh, Drs. Corey Zimney, Marie Bement, Craig Wassinger, and, and Carol Courtney. Without their support and mentorship and uh, ideas, this would be nowhere without the group work there. And, and I just, it's been such a great project. It's helped me out personally, and uh, I, I really hope that this is something that will help programs feel empowered, move forward, and ultimately help clinicians feel empowered so that they can serve people who are going through some of the darkest times because of persistent pain and uh, all the things that come along with that. So thank you again, Dr. Jetty, for your time and, and, and great questions. You can find more APTA podcasts like this one on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Spotify, or by visiting apta.org slash podcasts. Thanks for listening.